Well, hey, friends, welcome to Friday, December 16th. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of Enough for Today. We are in Psalm 68. We're in the second paragraph. David, a warrior conquering king with a gentle shepherd's heart, is celebrating a greater conquering king with a greater shepherd's heart, and that is God. And you see in this psalm, it's a celebration of God. It's a celebration of victories he has brought. It's a, it's a magnification of his triumphant, victorious, conquering side, but also uh, connected with, married with the images of his gentle heart. And we see both. We see a conquering hero and a gentle shepherd throughout this psalm. So yesterday we talked about God sending plentiful rain and confirming his inheritance when it's weary. And that's a reference to land and then people and then bringing forward to a modern application. It's a reference to how God cares for our souls. But now verse 10, thy congregation hath dwelt therein. Thou, O God, hast prepared of thy goodness for the poor. So verse 10 is carrying on the thought of God preparing land. But in verse 10, now the congregation is God's people. That's you and me. And in David's day, it was the nation of Israel. The congregation hath dwelt therein. We see a conquering hero, God, who now has gotten real up close and intimate, and he's prepared a place for his people to stay, to dwell. He's providing safety, and he's providing shelter. And he's prepared, David says, of thy goodness for the poor. Now, David introduces a concept here that's going to track through at least verse 6, and that is a contrast between people of high regard, high um, estate, high status, and those of low status. So when you read the word poor uh, in Old Testament vernacular and New Testament, Jesus, for instance, said, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's not just low on financial resources. We think of that when we think of poor or poverty. It's needy in any way. It's generally a person of low status or low degree, someone who's been needy, afflicted, oppressed. It's a class of persons that are weak and that are vulnerable. And what David is saying is, God, you value the weak. You value the vulnerable. You value the low, the lowly of society. And you confront the proud and the arrogant and the powerful and the uh, the narcissistic. God, you raised up and you have prepared your goodness for weak people, for marginalized, for little people. And I don't know about you, but I really identify with that. I'm just a little guy. I'm not a big shot. Got a few friends that are that are big shots and they're important and and uh, I respect and admire them. But I never feel like I, you know, I'm up to par with them. I'm just kind of waking up and doing what God called me to do every day. And it's it's not a big shot life. But but you know what? That's okay. God has prepared goodness for the poor, for the marginalized, for the weak, for the vulnerable, for the little people of the world. He continues, the Lord gave the word, great was the company of those that published it. This is a picture again of the victory and the triumph and uh, how God sweeps in, delivers many people, and then the good news of God's deliverance spreads. It's a foreshadowing of the Messiah. Jesus came and gave the good news, and tens of thousands of people published it. To this day, the good news is going forward, and we're a part of the great company that's publishing God's good word. Verse 12, kings of armies did flee apace, and she that tarried at home divided the spoil. Here it is, same picture, those of power and might and wealth, prominence, kings of armies, they flee when God intervenes, when with God's victory. And what does God do? He elevates the homemaker. He lets moms and kids divide the spoil. 
it's an it's the contrast is what David is going for. Okay, well, and by the way, this literally happened multiple times in Israel's history. A great victory was wrought by God supernaturally, and the the moms, the ladies, the single ladies, the the kids were dividing the spoil of the once powerful enemy that threatened them. That's how God does it. He brings down the mighty and he lifts up the humble and the lowly. Look at verse 13. This one's going to throw us for a loop. Though ye have lain among the pots, yet shall ye be as the wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. Now, you'll read three commentaries, four commentaries, five commentaries, and you'll find out nobody for sure knows what these phrases mean. But let's see if God's spirit can't lead us, okay? Now, remember, the King James is a, is a as closely as possible, a word-for-word -word translation. Now, that's not always possible from Hebrew to English. So there's always some dynamic equivalents. There's all, the translators are always wrestling with what's the idea here, and this is a place where the wrestling was tough. That's why if you pick this verse up in multiple translations, you'll see some very different renderings. Let me tell you why, okay? Though you have lain, that's easy, though you have lied down, the word lain um, was actually a reference to not just sleeping or laying down, but also a reference sometimes to sexual intimacy. So there's a concept here of though you have been intimate with, okay, uh, don't think of the, of the sexual connotation. This is just an intimacy with, a close acquaintance with. Um, you've lain among, now here's the big question, what are the pots? And um, this word pots, that's translated pots uh, from the Hebrew could could legitimately mean several things. So you'll you'll read, it's a very obscure word. It only occurs a few times in scripture and it's equally obscure in every place. Um, some take it to mean in the folds of sheep. Um, so you picture a shepherd at night, maybe sleeping between some sheep um, uh, that, you know, to stay warm. Um, so a very lowly, a person of low degree is pictured here. Um, some take it to mean borders, like sleeping between borders. I'm, I'm not quite on board with that one. Um, the, the pots rendering comes from the idea of a melting pot or a refining pot. Now, that would make sense uh, with the context because God's talking about poor people, weary people. Uh, he's talking about people that have been confronted by kings and armies and oppression. So uh, a fining pot, a refining pot, a crucible, a trial, a suffering, that's very possible. So the idea, so though we can't, you know, really wrap our brains around absolutes, um, this is an obscure idea, but the general concept is you have experienced weakness. Though you have experienced vulnerability, though you've experienced suffering or a low status, though you have been intimately acquainted with the melting pots, the furnaces, the fires of life, yet, now look at this, yet shall ye be as. All of those phrases, all that phrase is italicized. So what is that? That's the translators trying to give us a dynamic equivalent, trying to express what they think the idea was. So the literal Hebrew rendering would have been, though ye have lain among the pots, the wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with gold. So there's, there's these contrasting ideas. It makes perfect sense that yet ye shall be as, because the first phrase of verse 13, though ye have lain. So we're talking about your state that you formerly knew, 
makes sense that the second phrase would be talking about your new state. You shall be as, excuse me, as the wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. So let me give you a modern um, vernacular rendering, okay? Though you've been down and out and in the fire, there's coming a day where you'll be soaring on wings of gold. That's pretty cool, okay? Um, Though you feel like you could never fly again, flight is coming. God's going to restore your wings. And let's end with verse 14 today. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was white as snow in Salmon. Okay, here it is. (laughs) Another really um, obscure phrasing. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, there's a specific location, a mountain near Samaria, which would have been in Old Testament days, Shechem, uh, Mount Gerizim, Dothan, that area in the just north of Jerusalem, about an hour, hour and a half. The Almighty won great battles, especially in the days of Joshua and in the days of David, Saul and David, won great battles in that region, okay? And when he did, it was white as snow in Salmon. Now, three possibilities here. Okay, and all of them are fine. Uh, white as snow could mean that the, the decaying bodies of the dead armies became hillsides covered with bones that looked white as snow. So it could be a phrase that's depicting the great victory and triumph of God that his people are alive and well and flourishing in this watered land while his enemies' bones are scattered like snow across the mountains. Okay, that's one concept. The second concept could be... Um, literal, that David is recurring, is re- recalling a battle that was peaked out with a beautiful snowstorm. And perhaps he's remembering a great victory and the snow that God brought after and the contrast of the tumult of armies and battles contrasted against the beauty of a snowscape uh, and a light snowfall. It doesn't snow often in Israel, but in the mountains in this area, the right day in winter, it would have and could have, okay? So it could be literal, could be talking about the bones of the armies, could be literal, talking about snowfall. Thirdly, it could be a metaphor. It could, it could be the sense that when God brings a victory, um, it's beautiful and his peace follows. There's something about snowfall that is, um, once you have to shovel it and it gets, you know, it, it, it's cold and all that, there's negatives. But the beauty, we just had snowfall a couple days ago in Connecticut and it is beautiful. It's, it, when especially certain kinds of snowfall, the landscape is beautiful, it's quiet, it's peaceful. Something about the way the snow settles, it absorbs the sound. So never is the world quieter than right after a, a good snowfall. And, the, and it's, there's beauty and there's peace, there's shalom. And so maybe there's the concept here that God brings peace uh, out of the tumult of our lives. God brings strength out of the weakness of our lives. God brings prosperity out of the poverty of our lives. God brings flight out of the, um, out of the, the handicaps of our lives. That's the image. So I want you to meditate today on verses 12, 13, and 14. Obscure images, but nonetheless, and no doubt about this, images of God bringing strength out of weakness, provision out of poverty, um, blessing out of suffering. And uh, that's the God we serve. So wherever this 
meditation finds you. I hope it encourages and strengthens you today. Thanks for joining me. Happy Friday. Don't miss the weekend. We're going to celebrate Christmas together and uh, we're excited about it. We'll see you Sunday and if not on Monday.